I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Doki, um, saw this really interesting article in uh, the New York Times, and it was about this like new trend. Well, I guess it's not a new trend, but it, but it seems that there's more people doing this than they have in the past. Um, but it's all about like couples deciding to not share the same bedroom. So like they specifically get places that have two bedrooms or like they you know they they set themselves up to have two bedrooms separately how do you guys feel about this dude i i've 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 seen this this came out i saw this as well and i have heard it from like 30 different angles over the last couple weeks i wonder we're like we're like like other people talking about it. other people talking about it and uh um i mean i don't know about you guys but i don't listen to the fucking radio like i i put on a podcast <clears throat> or my music when I get in the car. Sure. But you know, the, like the lag time between the time you turn your car on to the time your phone connects to it. Yeah. You get a little bit of radio time. You get a little radio time. Yeah. And you get yeah. just enough to make you want to go, holy shit. I yeah. need to get my music on. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, three times I've heard, you know, Oh, well, and uh, wacky new article. Out. Couples are sleeping in different beds. How yeah. do we feel about that? Well, so the, cool, the, that's the, this show now. I mean, basically, <laughs> no, I know, but it. we do it better. <laughs> so here we go, guys. We're gonna get into the reasons why people don't want to share the same bath. <laughs> Ew, yeah. I hate um, that. Traffic coming up next. I hate that. Uh, well, because you were asking, I so I'm really torn between the the two ideas because, like, one, I I like sharing a bed. I find it's really nice. Same. Um, and like, I like falling asleep together. Yeah. But like in the middle of the night, if I'm really trying to get comfortable and like, let's say I wake up in the middle of the night and go to bed, which I recently found out. um, I thought that that just happened when you turn 30, that you just started peeing in the middle of the night all the time. Um, You're just incontinent. I I pee in the middle of the night every night. It's a sign of dehydration. I just learned that the other day. Holy shit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, A sign of dehydration. I must be hydrated as fuck. Oh, I'm just saying it's a sign of dehydration. I'm not telling you Dude, that I'm it's so de- I'm so hydrated. I'm not, I'm not diagnosing you with dehydration from saying that, but you're I'm not a doctor. It, it can be a sign of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not yet, but I'm waiting for my honorary doctorate. But the one thing I did want to say is that so in the middle of the night, if I get up and go to the bathroom and I come back to bed and like uh, it's it's not so much a problem sharing the bed with Maddie, it's more Rupert. Like oh dude, he, like he as yeah. soon as. I get up. You just got to train himself. your dog, dude. No, train him how? Wait, train, train him to just not get on the bed. No, I like having him on the bed. 
What does he do? What does he, he do? Just lay, he just sprawls. Oh, out. he sprawls. So you yeah. like that? You like having I him take up the entire fucking bed? I I love it when he gets onto the bed after You're I'm such already. You're a piece of shit, Brian. You're psychotic. <laughs> no, I'm not. After I get situated, I love one of my favorite things about having a pet is when I'm situated in bed and I'm laying down and I'm comfortable and my dog gets up and like nuzzles into me. Nuzzles? Yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. Uh, I'm nuzzles. pretty. I'm pretty pro. Loki being against me, right? Yeah, me too. Right to a degree, though. Like if it, if it's if it starts, to, here's the thing: when the dog starts going horizontal in the fucking bed, down around the mid, like midpoint to like the legs, and you've got two people in the bed. Now you've got two people going completely fucking sideways in the bed. Well, this is the, the dog's training, this is the training part. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm talking. Train the dog. Yeah, train to, the dog to be like yo. You either place. lay here or you get the fuck off the bed. The, that's that's what I mean. But when you get up to go to the bathroom and you're no longer in the bed, well, then, you, but then, then but then you got to go. Right? She's looking over. And then when you do that, the dog goes, "Oh yes, I know where to go." So yes, anyway, sensei, my, I will go back my, to my my point spot. is is that in that situation, I prefer like uh, the idea of having my own sleeping room at that in that moment of time right. is like oh that's pretty well, interesting. The dog thing's an interesting take. Uh, but what do you think are the reasons, the top two reasons that people, that couples are deciding to sleep in separate beds? I know one. Well, for there's sure. probably snoring is probably a big thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, feeling feeling like you're not getting enough sleep is a is probably a, is probably a, a a big thing. Or maybe. <laughs> Fuck. Sorry, legit- Nikki. Legitimately. <laughs> <laughs> legitimately not getting enough sleep. So how long does and, that go for? And, 30 seconds. And, but and I and I saw this I didn't I didn't I didn't read it but I did see uh, I did see it going around and that it was uh that that a lot of people were that a significant number of people are choosing to do this and it's like a growing number of people just choosing to sleep in different beds or diff- different beds or different rooms. Um I can very much see the uh, short-term benefits of something like that but I feel like it's a long-term, uh, a long-term destruct destroyer of a relationship. I don't think so because Esther Perel talks about how like keeping a relationship fresh and mysterious and like having time apart can actually be really helpful for a relationship. So I, don't I think, think it, she was talking about the bed thing though. I think she no, was talking she about like time apart. No, 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 like, she, like nine she, hours. And she was specifically but, saying, come back <laughs> into the same bed and fucking bone like <laughs> no, you're 19 no. and you just fucking fell in no, love. No, but I'm just saying like if you did it for like a few nights and then went back to yeah. it, I'm sure you'd appreciate better. But I was going to say the second reason could be um differing <laughs> schedules well that um, there you go brad that is it yeah the, so snoring and conflicting schedules are the top two reasons uh so the new york times are titled this article i love you but i don't want to sleep with you um and it explores the the topic of couples who choose to sleep in separate bedrooms the article begins with the personal story of valerie weiser a graduate student who realized she wanted her own bedroom when preparing to move to new york city to live with her partner and despite feeling like there might be something wrong with her for wanting her own space, uh, Weisler communicated her needs to her partner, uh, Kai Dates. That's his, that's that's his name. That's a really sounds like a YouTube channel. Kai Dates, <laughs> uh, who who initially felt blindsided, but eventually came around to the idea. And the couple now live in a four bedroom apartment apartment in Brooklyn. Make it back. Um, <laughs> yeah. Where everyone has their own bedroom. Uh, the article goes on to explain that sleeping apart is more common than one might think. 
uh, with one in five couples sleeping in separate bedrooms. And, and we're not just talking about, you know, old dads in the doghouse. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, furthermore, almost two thirds of those who do do so every night, according to a survey of 2,200 Americans conducted by the International Housewares Association for the New York Times. <laughs> Uh, interior designers what? have also reported an uptick in requests from couples who sleep apart uh, and want to make their secondary bedroom feel as thoughtful and decorated as their primary one. These people have way too much money. There's a lot of like, money here. This yeah. is the other thing that I feel about this is like, if even if I wanted to be in that position, I wouldn't be able to be in that position right now. Yeah. Like if I was like, yeah. oh, I just want to have a you second sleep on the, just bedroom. Sleep on the couch. You mean like you don't have the resources to like outfit a second bedroom? Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't have a second bedroom in my apartment. Now here, here's right. here's the right. here's the interesting <laughs> part of this article. Um, while some couples have found that sleeping in separate bedrooms leads to better sleep and a more personal space, sex therapists and marriage counselors have their doubts about the arrangement. Catherine Hartlin, a professor in the couple and family therapy program at the University of Nevada, worries about the motivation behind the decision to sleep in separate quarters. And uh, questions, is it really because the partner tosses and turns too much or is it an excuse to avoid getting your bone on? Oh, you touched my tra-la-la. My ding-ding-dong. But like, um, but my, that, my point yeah. about that is... a good is, question. I mean, should, like... But like, shouldn't you just be having an open enough conversation about that anyway? Like, is... Is that really the problem or is, the, well, is some, it a problem Some that people you're not don't have the it? ability to have an open enough conversation like that when, when, when problems like this arise. I mean, like if you're having, if you're having an issue in your relationship, I, I could see, I could, I could see very easily the, a case being uh, a couple is having like, you know, whatever the guy snores. Um, they got different schedules. She's on like, she works like nights or whatever. And, and then they come together and there's like already some like tension in their sleeping habits. They're already like, pro, like having a problem with, with bone time anyway. Then they go ahead with this like separate room thing. And because they were having an issue with their sex life beforehand, now it's gotten to a point where they can't even talk about it anymore. Like sex issues in couples between couples oftentimes can become this thing where once it gets, once it snowballs out of control, it's like, you don't know how to fucking communicate about Mm -hmm. it. Totally. Yeah, but it's like the sleep thing. It's like, oh, we can communicate about that. It's like my sleep. The thing that I find presumptuous about that is that, like, it's presuming that, like, like going to bed at the same time is what leads ultimately to having sex. And for for most people, that is the case. I know. And but for me, I was I was just saying, like, my situation is that oftentimes Maddie goes to bed at like nine thirty, and I go to bed at like. I don't know, midnight or and you just later. You wake sometime. her up and you're like, we're doing it. No, no. But like we like when we <laughs> want to make time, time. sex, it's usually during the middle of the day. Not yeah. like it's not at the right. But, but, that, middle of the day sex people. But, yeah. but I think I think if you were to survey most most uh, couples, I would say that that is far more rare than the mm-hmm. couples who choose to have sex when it's we are in the bed. It is bedtime, which honestly is one of the things that leads to like like poor sex a poor sex life. Yeah. I think, I think that's the thing. I think, I think what I said earlier about, you know, you, you, you're, you're sort of solving one problem and potentially creating a monster of another. Yeah. Um, like the short term, the short term benefit is obvious. Oh, I'm going to get to sleep better. You're going to see a bunch of noticeable benefits about that. Um, 
you are, I think, I think I would hypothesize that you're running a pretty big risk of opening up a void in your relationship that you didn't mean to, or exacerbating one that might already exist. Like Jer said, um, I don't, I think people, I think people underestimate the importance of sex in a relationship. Like I think, I think a lot, I think a way too many people think that a relationship can survive without having a a sexual component to it. Mm -hmm. And unless you're two asexual people who are in a relationship right. or, or, or one yeah. or one asexual person. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, but, but the, the thing that I think about that is that I, I think it's, I think we can't presume that like couples who have two separate bedrooms also don't have a healthy and good relationship either because we're not know, making blanket statements. You're, you're, you're <laughs> we're making, we're making, we're making like a generalizations about the average person who might. I am. I'm making it. blanket and statements. I, I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that like if, so for example, if, um, if Maddie was a really restless sleeper or I, w- I was a really restless sleeper and us going to bed at these two different times, if we, if we couldn't like, if she kept waking up every time I got into bed at midnight, then like maybe it would be nice to have a second bedroom. Um, like we don't we don't talk to each other in our sleep anyway. We're just fucking sleeping. So uh, you know, I, to me, I don't really yeah. see the problem with it in that situation. But because you're, I think it's because again, I understand what you mean. You're, but I think it's that is ultimately going to be short sighted because it's looking at it's looking at the experience of sleeping as if like it's only one thing, whereas it's actually like a myriad of like intricate, like interrelated things that happen when two people have a, a, a ritual basically of like going to bed. Yeah. Mm. And, I will say and the funny thing the is same place. I, it, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's more complicated than we, than it seems that seems on the surface. Yeah. I, I guess the other thing that I would say that is interesting is that even in saying the things that I'm saying, I've been making an effort recently in the past like two weeks to go to bed at the same time as Maddie, just because it's nice because... to go to bed together. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and more so clock, because Maddie. more so because I've been I'm putting trying. the video game controller <laughs> down, baby. It's time. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Uh, more so because I noticed that if I don't go to bed when she goes to bed, then I have a propensity to stay up super late. Yeah, right. Like uh, I just don't have a like an ability yes, to like I, to yeah, like turn myself off. So like going to bed when she goes to bed and trying to get up early is yeah. actually there you go. I mean, probably that's, healthier. Like for there me. you go. Like that's a that's a really good. Yeah. That's a really good example of how, like, on the surface, it might seem like, ah, like, like we're unconscious anyway. But then you see that, that, like, oh, us going to bed together actually serves, you know, what an unintended to, purpose. To your guys's point on this too, I've also noticed that um, prior to the last two weeks, I would take Rupert out for a walk at nighttime before bed. So, like, say I stay up till midnight, I'd take him out at like eleven thirty, and then Maddie would take him out on her own in the morning. And now that we've been in the last couple of weeks have been trying to go to bed together at the same time. We walk him together at nighttime and then together in the morning too, Ooh. which there you go. yeah, definitely you get more together. Better. You yeah. get more yeah. together time. Yeah, true. Um, so I got another, uh, interesting thing here that I'll keep this brief. Cause I know you got a, a heart out and want to hit that top 10 list, you know? Fuck yeah. Um, but, uh, this is, this is kind of wild. This is actually from, uh, our, uh, our friend Rojin in the discord. Um, Teenager in China, teenager in China 
Okay. Becomes youngest person diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Oh, oh I, I no. heard about this. Actually. A 19 year old teenager in China has been diagnosed with probable Alzheimer's disease, according to a study published uh, in the journal Alzheimer's Disease. Alzheimer's is a degenerative disease that affects thinking, memory, and behavior, and the overwhelming majority of patients are over 65, making this case very exceptional. The teenager has begun having difficulty concentration, concentrating on his high school studies two years earlier and started to suffer from short-term memory loss one year earlier. Uh, the authors of the study did not reveal what types of treatment or support the young patient would receive, but said that they plan to follow up with him um, long-term in order to better understand the condition. Even in the absence of gene mutations, doctors made the diagnosis, which altered their, quote, understanding of the typical age of onset of Alzheimer's disease. Previously, the youngest person diagnosed with the disease was 21. Whoa. Can you imagine 19 and just be sitting like the doctor going like, we think you have Alzheimer's. And the psychological shit, like on top of the fact that it's a psychologically degenerative disease, yeah. on top of that, having to cope with the fact that you have something that you thought was for old people. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I mean, we like, hear that with people that go like, I've got arthritis and yeah. I'm 20. Yeah. And I and the first thing I thought was like, fuck, I thought this was like an old person. Yeah, disease. or people with uh yeah. people with um um people with sort of like rare forms of cancer that yeah. find themselves in you know, in like a chemo uh yeah. room with like ten yes. other people getting yeah, chemo right, treatment yeah. and they're looking around going like, Wow, I am I yeah. am the odd person yeah. out here. Um, did you guys hear also there was a study that just came out potentially linking uh, fructose to Alzheimer's? Um, no, it did not. It's, um, it, there is, what's, the deal is, fructo- what's the deal with fructose? I don't know. No. It's, like, it's like fruity water. Fructose is yeah. a, cause like fructose is a, a fructose is not a, like a naturally fructose is like an engineered um, form of glucose. No idea. <laughs> Um, but it, the interesting thing about it is that fructose or fruit sugar is a, a ketonic, simple sugar found in many plants. Oh, okay. Dude, I was kind of right. It is just sugar water. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, so, so uh, it's, so it's, it's, um, it's fruit. naturally occurring though. It is naturally, yeah. it is na- yeah. naturally occurring. Okay. Um, I, I feel like I was thinking of like fructose as like a, as sort of like fl- a ref- artificial refined. flavoring or yeah, something. Yeah, That's yeah. what I thought it was. Um, but it's interesting because I have previously heard of of Alzheimer's referred to as type three diabetes, and yes, that right. there's been That's links right. to high sugar consumption. Um, but I feel I feel like from the article that I was reading, I, I don't know it was a couple weeks ago now, um, but it was it was basically saying that there it like there is potentially a link there that Ooh. they're exploring, which yeah, kind of maybe backs up some of that initial idea that mm. sh- there's something related to sugar. Con- consumption well next week i got a really interesting article that might touch on some of that which has to do with um the way that the last 50 years has had a complete overhaul on the ways that our bodies work and uh, i'm pretty sure the fructose thing is in that kind of interesting shit Crazy. found on an artifact no big deal this is probably why we should all just only eat red meat no you definitely shouldn't do that 
for the average person. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's change things up here. Uh, here's some cute content for y'all. Uh, this cat, cat born with four ears, takes internet by storm. <laughs> oh, A cat born with four ears due to genetic mutation has taken the internet world by storm after its owner posted a picture of the feline on social media. Oh. Midas, uh, who's only four months old, has already amassed almost 20,000 Instagram followers in the three weeks her account was created. Dude, how cute is this little fucking thing? It looks like a little orange on him. Not as many followers as the uh, as the poodle Bob the, Ross. Or the dog <laughs> that has a, a tail for a horn or for a horn. Yeah. Narwhal. Yeah. Uh, the Russian blue, which I don't know anything about cat breeds. I had a uh, Russian I, blue. I had, I had a I had a blue Russian when I was uh when I was yeah, it says Russian blue. Uh, a Russian Mishka? blue has a genetic mutation. was a blue Russian, yeah. The Russian blue has a genetic mutation which caused <laughs> her to sprout an extra pair of ears, according to reports. The deformation has been linked to a recessive gene mutation from her parents. Midas's four ears aren't the only unique feature on her body. The cat also has an adorable white heart-shaped mark on its belly and 39 nipples. <laughs> no. does it, wait, wait that, does it actually wait, say that, that? How many nipples? The nipples? How many nipples? Oh, there's the heart. Oh, well, the heart. the heart is... Oh, that, is, that is very, very pretty. How many nipples does a cat usually have? Uh, eight. What are the odds that so it would have? Thir- what did it say? Hold 39? on, let me read that again. Is it an Thir- odd number? It said 37. Midas made that up. You fucking made that up. Midas lives You're in Turkey. That's a piece of shit. That's a Turkish, that's a Turkish cat. That's a turkey cat. <laughs> Midas lives in Turkey and spends time with her two Labrador siblings, Zeno, uh, 14, and Susie, who's 12. She, uh, she also playfully, she's also playful but friendly. Wow, um, that is a feel-good story. And now, a squirrel that can water ski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys, this, why is dude, it? This is, we've just turned into live and five. Why, why, why is it that that cats with four ears that are, that are fuzzy and cute are cute, but if a human had four ears, we would, we would think that that would be weird? Yeah. Why is it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. know. We don't would, would we though? Like, it could right. be kind of cute. Because okay. we don't have fur. A, a human with four ears could be cute. Think about th- think about this. To. Think about this. Zaya, right? Zaya's born. She's got two perfectly healthy, normal little baby ears that she's got now. Mm-hmm. But she also has two Shrek ears on the top of her head. <laughs> oh, that'd be pretty. Yeah, cute. that'd be fucking cute. Shrek ears would be you cute. Know? Actually, that'd be pretty cute. Those little upside down pylons on the fucking yeah. top of her and head, especially when 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 <laughs> her hair grows in a little bit more, and like they only just yeah. like they only just like poke out of her yeah. little yeah. like yeah. Hair, like you put it pigtails in, and yeah, exactly. she looks like Fiona. Okay, yeah, that would be cute. That's but cute. but do you think would it be less cute when she became an adult? No, I think. Well, I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> I'm just asking. Yeah, yeah, don't. Don't go down that road. <laughs> Guys, the soundboard works. All right, here we go. Uh, let's it get works it. When, it works when you when it's premeditated. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. 
Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Let's get into this uh, top 10 list. This one's for Brian. This is the 10 bizarre treatments doctors used to think were legit. Uh, more than 6 million. I feel like we've done this. We, I think we have. Uh, more than 6 million botulinum toxin type A injections were performed in 2012. One of the most common cosmetic surgery procedures. Um which I think is Botox, probably. Guys, I was actually just about to say because I—that's what it sounded like, but I'm not sure if it, I'm not sure if it is. Botulinum, but since toxin, you, but since you said Botox. it, Botox. Do you guys know how expensive and how common? Oh, dude, Botox is. Why did people... I got my balls Botox the other day, dude? It's no, I'm, I'm tying them up. I know you're Tying them up. No, you're joking, but like it is. It is super common. It is as run of the mill. Oh, you as you, getting your hair. Yeah, you yeah. can you can get it done at like any esthetician. I, I was talking like, to somebody go, yeah, in the we'll elevator shoot, in my shoot, yeah. building the other day that was like, yeah. "Yeah, I'm just on my way to my Botox appointment." Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, and I, I'm just curious, like why why do people tightens up the skin, gets rid of the like the wrinkles? I mean, you got some like nasty bags on your eyes, Brian. You look like <laughs> yeah. you look fucking you think, tired. Should I go? Like you haven't been going to bed, right? Should the, I go? And if you get got Botox, Botox, you would look easily seventeen years younger. Wow! Well, shit, you already look young. Should I do? Should I do? You look like a five-year-old boy. How expensive is it? <laughs> I think it's pretty expensive. Dude, um, yeah, dude, it's it's expensive. Like we're talking, we're talking could be preventing somebody from doing anything but yeah. that. I don't think I notice when people have Botox. No, it's that's not, because it's, it's so it's, common. It's, it's not that noticeable. I said. I, it's not that it's not overly noticeable unless you're overdoing it. But, but I, I don't know but, who's doing. But Botox it is also. I think it's partly that it I is. I bet you we all know a few people that do. Dude, you know, almost every woman you know. Yeah. No. Dude, Maddie I doesn't. had this. Me and Maddie were talking about. Yesterday. I had this conversation what? with Maddie. Kyla. Was like, I gotta go get my Botox. Don't tell Brian. I had this conversation with Kyla the other day. She was. She was like, Does Kyla do it? No. She was like, well, not, every that's one woman. She was like, almost every woman you know. It has it done, but wait, but it, but it's it's that expensive too. It's it's quite expensive. Do you know how? I much mean, it's exactly? quite expensive. I think yeah. it's like I think it. It's I'm not, I don't know exactly like what the price is. Five thousand dollars per <laughs> injection. <laughs> no, but when you but when you combine it with things that a lot of women feel like is and men is routine and men. No, lots yes, of men doing it out there. Overwhelming, overwhelming majority. It can go women. as high as a thousand dollars. So if actually, you, so flat think rate about, often somewhere between three hundred and a thousand. Well, no. so if you are getting that done, I don't know what the frequency is, but if you're getting that done, how often do you go, Jerry? Once a month, go, once every couple months. I mean, my ball I, for my balls, I do like yeah, like <laughs> no, hair. Man, can you once search a year. it? Hair, <laughs> hair can be once, uh, once between once in a month and once every three months, and that's like that can be two yeah. to three to four hundred dollars yeah. depending on what you're getting done. Hair's wild. I mean, like you're, you're starting to climb into. Like the thousand to two thousand yeah. dollars a month, and here's the thing: depending on here's how frequently you're getting it done, like it's more than more than six million Botox injections were performed in 2012. This is a long time ago. It's way more now, way more. Um, and uh, and someday we might look back on this Botox thing and just shake our heads and think, "What the fuck were we thinking about injecting ourselves with this 
is it? shit, this lethal, paralyzing toxin. We got way off the uh, topic. Is it an effort to, to, to recapture youthfulness? I'm genuinely curious, and I'd love to like speak to somebody about this who who does it or is getting it done. But I, I'm curious. Info at sickboypodcast.com. Isn't it... Like, are you just putting chemicals in your body? Like, yeah, what dude, what yeah. is happening? Bo- Botox is a is a paralyzing toxin. Yeah. Should we? But like, it I does. guess my question is is should should they should they not be doing that? Well, how about this? Should we be doing this? My personal opinion is, I think that I think I I wish that people didn't feel like they needed to do right. anything to themselves ever. Me too. Uh, but I feel that way about makeup in general. But sure. if somebody wants Same. to put makeup on because it makes them feel good, then great. That's amazing. Sure. But so it's a delicate topic for that. I reason. wish that people didn't feel like they had to do Well, that. how about this? Let me ask you this. Do you think that we should be doing this? Number 10, or number 10, in our 10 bizarre treatments, doctor used to think we're legit. All right, do you think we should be doing this? Tobacco smoke enemas. I mean, that does sound interesting. Yeah, it does. It, it said like that China's first emperor, Qi Xin Huang, was buried in a tomb uh, ringed by rivers of liquid mercury, <laughs> which is kind of ironic since he died after he ingested toxic amounts of the heavy metal, uh, trying to make himself immortal. Uh, oh, this Oh, this is the mercury one. Okay, fu- uh, number nine, mercury. <laughs> so mercury has been used as an antiseptic. <laughs> And for treating skin disease. What about the smoke enemas? I, I copied and pasted the wrong thing. <laughs> Let's hit it, Mercury. That's um, so funny because now realizing why you were playing that song, it's so funny. so so. Uh, mercury has been used as an antiseptic for treating skin diseases, and has been compounded in uh, everyday products such as saline solutions and cosmetics. There we go. Uh, if you were unfortunate enough to suffer from syphilis before penicillin hit the scene in 1940s, uh, your doctor would probably have treated your STD with mercury, prescribing you, uh, prescribing for you a mercurial ointment, pill, or potion to cure the problem. However, mercurials uh, introduced a whole new set of problems. Mm. Everything from both uh, tooth loss to damage to organs uh, and the central nervous system to the biggest problem, problematic side of the uh, of all, which was death. It just killed people. Wow. Yeah. And now you can just get uh, 100% of your daily mercury value from uh, a good sushi meal. That's right. Yeah. You know what? I would I would probably take the ointment or pill, though, um, if I had an STD. I'd, I'd rather risk losing my teeth than having uh, my gonorrhea run rampant. You, you'd like rather risk it all, is what you're saying. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, risk it for the biscuit is, I think, the saying. <laughs> All right, well, uh, guys, at number eight, you're going to love this. It's it's a whirling chair. Wait. Okay. The whirling chair was a part of a mid-19th century movement away from the practice of chaining and locking the mentally ill in dark, unsanitary cells, and towards more humane, at least considered to be at the time, methods of psychiatric treatments. These also included ice water showers or baths. Purgatives, laxatives, uh, insulin coma therapy, and even frontal lobotomy. A whirling chair is exactly what it sounds like. It was a chair modified with a spring and lever system used to spin patients until they passed out. 
<laughs> no. Man. Wait, and probably while listening to that song. So they thought that they would just spin them so hard they yeah. would the, no longer. The belief was that be mentally Ill. that all the spinning would cure conditions like schizophrenia and other mental illnesses by shuffling the contents of the brain. Shake it out. The reason that this is sounding so familiar is because I know that we talked about something similar to this before, where ultimately we ended up talking about what are what's what shit are we doing now? Yeah, that we're gonna yeah, be yeah. like. Whoa, uh, I can't believe we were I doing know. that. Botox. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Right. Uh, number seven, uh, this type of water. <laughs> Radioactive water. Uh, beginning in the... T- Dude, you're doing... Uh, chair, <laughs> I hate the soundboard, <laughs> but you're doing a good job with it. The beginning of the 21st century brought on the kombucha beverage craze. Uh, but during the early 1900s, it was radioactive water that flew off the shelves. <laughs> oh, no way. It was considered in the medical community to cure mental illness mm. uh, and even prevent aging because of its ability to stimulate cell activity. Um, it was <laughs> yeah, so stimulated that those cell cells activity. are fucking they going. Stimulated. It was so popular that even uh, the U.S. Surgeon General at the time considered it a legitimate treatment for diarrhea and malaria. Uh, radium began appearing not only in water, but also infused chocolates, contraceptives, toothpastes, suppositories. Spa goers started um, visiting radium spas, previously marketed as the benign-sounding hot springs for their healing drinks and soaks. Today, uh, we know that radiation exposure is deadly, <laughs> and, and that although the body is able to filter out, uh, filter out about 80% of toxin, toxic radium, uh, we may ingest the remaining 20% uh, which collects our bones, blood, and tissue. Mm. And that ability to stimulate cell activity, well, it increases our chances of cancer uh, and other health problems. So, yeah. Dude, I, I not think it, not it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like not so long ago, um, the tanning bed, tanning salon craze, like going into tanning yeah. salons and then, yeah. and then also, realizing- no, also a good example of the one that we'll look back on and go, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, because that's definitely still. Tanning beds are still definitely a yeah. thing. I don't. I don't think that they're as. They are. They're, I don't think they're as prominent as they. I, I feel like. I, I feel like. Yeah, we, remember I'm how we used to see like tanning bed salons? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see them anymore. I think they're still. No, around. they still, don't see them anymore. I feel like tanning sure. beds are now just like located in like your, in like a fucking supplement gym rat. Yeah, place maybe. that's in a, a fucking a lot of wall. like gyms with tanning yeah. beds. Turn it up to ten, Michelle. I used to. I used to love going into tanning bed. It, it felt good. Like, it, made, it, it, felt, it felt like my my cells were activated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember when you get like really burnt, you'd be like, "This would be a, this is going to yeah. be a sick tan." Hey, uh, I do, look, dude. I went in high school, and you just, and they'd be like, "You're only allowed in for eight minutes," and you're like, "Last time I did twelve, and they were like, okay. and then they would just cook you. I know, right? Yeah, you know. And, and I went because I went because I was uh, I was going with a bunch of girls that I would that I um, wanted to ha- wanted to. Uh, Hang out with. Oh, you touch my tala. <laughs> mm, my ding ding dong. Uh, it turned. Uh, uh, here's an interesting little factoid. Um, Holy fuck. You guys know that tang. You know tang. You know how like the uh, the, the drink, the like yellow drink. Tang? Yeah. Um, you know, how, like tang was like the only drink served in space. Do you guys like? Do you guys recall? I like, that do. Was a, I do recall that. It's like it, I don't it, know if that's an actual thing or if like it was a, like a, it's like a seventies eighties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like. Thing, right? So, uh, a sp- a sp- Tang actually isn't the only thing serving space. Um, Toilet. Um, and, and what they are, what they actually are serving in space is uh, something that you would be kind of surprised about because it's a uh, it's a spe- specially designed toilet to tap uh, waste recycling <laughs> system allows astronauts to recycle their piss. 
But they recycle it into fuel. Oh, and into drinking water. I don't like this. So you'll be drinking your own pee if you go to space. Just FYI, if anybody out there is excited to go to space, you're going to be drinking your own pee. I wonder um, if they have the uh, Bill Gates toilet on. Uh, they might. On the, on, I saw it. Now, now, the only reason this is beneficial to them is because it's a, it's a space saver and like, you know, like weight saver. So they can like pee, drink yeah, yeah. the pee, but it's water. Totally. Um, it doesn't actually have any health benefits. But here's the thing. Urotherapy, we used to think that was a cool thing. Water is the main ingredient in your urine, but it's not all water. Neither is squirt. Uh, the next notable <laughs> component is urea. And urea, which is also in squirt, is considered to have antimicrobial properties. Hmm. And actually, there's a bunch of people these days that have jumped back up on the Euro I therapy think we profiled, course. We profiled somebody who only mm-hmm. who exclusively drinks pee. That makes sense, though, because like you pee on it's like It's antibacterial, a, it's like antifungal, an, it's antiviral. Like a, what a jellyfish like yeah. burns That's or whatever. Right. That's right. Pee on them? Yeah. That's why. So like naturally, it's good for anything. Yeah. Consume it. Yeah. Now, despite for the sure. trifecta of being antibacterial, antifungal, and antiviral, um, there's no evidence that urine has any health or healing benefits. Uh, there was a time, though, when the medical community considered drinking urine or applying it as a uh, poultice, an effective treatment for uh, sicknesses ranging from acne and asthma to migraines and cancer. <laughs> oh, my God. Some still believe it will even whiten teeth. And, and we know that. We saw that. That's right. I saw that. Yep. Can't, um, can't not see that. And although it's, it's probably not dangerous if you drink a little bit of small, like piss in small quantities, so it's okay. There's lots of people who enjoy that recreationally in the bedroom. It's just not recommended. Um, um, and outside the bedroom. There is, speaking of space and, and peeing, did you see about the astronaut that got really sick because the pee got into his suit and was floating around? <clears throat> no. It's really interesting. There was a, I, read, <laughs> no, I was waiting I, for the punchline. I thought that no, was like, no. I thought you were setting me up for a really good job. No, I'm, um, I'm serious. Yeah, there, was a, uh, there was a thread on uh, Twitter the other day about like astronauts peeing this was and pooping recent? in space. Yeah, wow, I crazy. saw like two days ago. Peeing yeah. in the suit? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because so, they, they, they have a full body diaper that they wear. They do now. Basically, yeah, but yeah. They use, but so they, they first had con, like condom receptors, basically. Yeah. They were like... Um, uh, uh, my I'm mind blank. What's the latex like that mm-hmm. would stretch over the penis? Yeah, and it was all male astronauts, so they would put them on. And at first, they asked the astronauts if you were small, medium, or large, and all of them said large. Um, but they were and not then all of them got properly. Sick. Yeah, and so they were leaking into the thing. Yeah. So they changed the name of them to like enormous gigantic or like unbelievable size and everybody was like i'm just a, enormous and, uh, and you, actually is this serious? i'm you dead serious? serious yeah i'm dead serious. do you want to know what the diaper is called god man, i don't know, I don't know so but it was, it's, it was called the mag, it's called the mag it's called the mag and you know what the mag stands for the first woman astronaut no 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 okay. uh, no not meg mag m-a-g <laughs> oh okay it's an acronym america great it's an acronym for uh <laughs> maximum absorbency garment okay yeah, um, it was invented for a, a woman because the first female astronaut they, had a vagina. They used the diapers, and then they were like, <laughs> and they were like, "Holy shit, these work way better than those fucking enormous pee receptacles." Didn't we talk to? Didn't that? Didn't this come from the conversation we had uh, with the person who re, who was researching sex in space? Didn't yes. we talk about we that? We did talk so, about yeah, it a little bit. Right. Yeah. Uh, we got to move on. Uh, the next one, number five, vibrators. Do you guys know this? Do you guys knew that vibrators were used as sex or as um sex uh, or sorry as a uh, uh, sex 
<laughs> he's having Jeremy's having trouble concentrating. <laughs> they were used as doctors. So um, there was a time um, used as doctors. There wasn't uh, sex. There was a time when everyone Dude, knew I feel for like Pavlov's dog right now. With that have, sound. I know. I'm salivating. There was a time where everyone knew for certain that women didn't have orgasms. Uh, women were, <laughs> however, prone to suffering from psychiatric disorder called hysteria. Uh, and needed their physician to perform a special type of pelvic physical therapy to achieve something called hysterical paroxysm. Uh, paroxysm. Man, it is fascinating uh, how and which dumb which basically we is a, is an orgasm. So so they were like, she's hysterical. <laughs> Get her into the fucking doctor, and the doctor would be like, all right, ma'am, just like put your feet in the stirrups, and then he would use a vibrator to make her orgasm, and then that would get rid of the. Hysteria. Dude, isn't it nuts that that obviously went on for like some substantial period of time other than once? Anything longer than once is a substantial period of time to not go, hey, this is clearly an orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but dude, pelvic massages were popular for ages, beginning in ancient Greece as an early method of treating a wandering womb uh, and persisting in Western medical practice until the 1920s. By the end of the 19th century, it was estimated that 75% of American women suffered from hysteria. That's, that's a lot. That is a lot. The, the treatment was, well, it's, it's not funny. It's, it's like, the, it's very it's, sad. It's just, it's fucking, the, it's funny how insane it is. It's funny how insane it is. And it's extremely sad. The treatment. Now this doesn't surprise me. The treatment was so popular. In fact, <laughs> that physicians sought a faster, more effective way to perform the treatment with the, uh, than with their own hands. I'm surprised it's not 100%. And the first electric vibrator hit the scene in the late 1800s. That's before the vacuum cleaner was invented. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody's like, I got hysteria. <laughs> which, which decreased treatment times um, uh, from as much as an hour to as little as 10 minutes. I think I need to go see the... I think I need a trip to the doctor to treat the hysteria. This is also really interesting. In the 1920s, vibrators began to appear in erotic films, and that put them out in a favor in the physician's office. But by the beginning of the 20th century, women could choose to buy their own vibrators from publications such as Sears um, uh, and the other ones. Um, <laughs> Wait, what's the other ones? Is that what it's? <laughs> I don't know them. Roebuck and Co. I don't know that. Yeah. I mean, we have a, we have a, uh, we have an, a wide range of ages listening to this show. It's true. Before, some who would have ordered from these catalogs. Yeah, some who really, Love the nostalgia like of catalogs. Louise. Yeah. She still listened. Uh, you know the the Hitachi, the magic wand? Yes. Before women had that, or like the rabbit, they had the pricey 200 Chattanooga. Chattanooga. <laughs> the Chattanooga. All right. Um, let's, let's move on to number four, bloodletting. Fucking you, bloody, you, bloody, fuck you, bloody. <laughs> Bastard, bitch, you, fuck you, fuck you. All right, guys. All right. All right. Calm down. Once upon a time, uh, you would visit your barber for a shave and a haircut, and you might also have him extract a rotting tooth or even set a broken arm. Uh, barbers, known back then as barber surgeons, were also bloodletters. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. Barber surgeons, yeah. I mean, that's, that's uh, Sweeney Todd was a barber, barber surgeon. Right. That's, that's right. Uh, so crazy. Bloodletting was once practiced as a way to release evil spirits from the body. And it was also considered as a treatment for a variety of conditions from nosebleeds to pneumonia. Don't get the nosebleed thing. Um, it was also a key therapy in what was known as uh, humoral medicine, which is a medicine based on the four humors of the body, phlegm, yellow bile, black bile, and blood. Ew. What happens when you bloodlet? 
What do you do? Like what? What you're is just, happening? You're just, you're just bleeding. You're just like, like, you're just cut, losing like, blood. Cutting like would the barber just well, you, cut them? Well, open you would use then... you would use leeches. Um, okay, uh, but but I'm sure they would also cut as well. Um, but um, today, bloodletting still exists, although it's now known as uh, uh, phlebotomy therapy. Yeah, it's, it's used. It's used in limited instances, such as to treat uh, hemochromatosis, uh, which we, yeah. we we had uh, Justin. Uh, uh, yeah, we had we covered that on the show. That was what Justin had. The right? Iron Man. Yeah, that's right. Uh, leeches. They also use leeches, commonly used in bloodletting practices um, ever since the ancient Egyptians did, employed them, uh, also continue to have a place, albeit very limited as well. We had talked about bloodletting like the week before we had Justin on the podcast. That's right. That's right. And then he yeah. actually, right. he wrote us. He wrote us and was that's like, why, hey, I, yeah. I get bloodletting because right. I need it. Iron Man. Uh, this next one, number three. Over-the-counter opiates. Order hydrocodone Jer- online with fast delivery what the and fuck a 20% is that? discount by entering the code SALE10. Don't give the code. Also no, don't use that code. Uh, let's blast through these last few because I, okay. I really got to go, guys. But Opium-based morphine used to be able to buy it over-the-counter. Uh, morphine uh, has, uh, has had a strong connection to battlefield medicine. It was used heavily to treat wound pain during the Civil War. Uh, and world wars. In addition to its use in military medicine, morphine was once also commonly used as an at-home remedy. Mm. In 1900, you could buy over-the-counter opiates such as laudanum, uh, an addictive mix of alcohol and opium. That's wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's um, as well as cocaine, cocaine, uh, heroin, morphine, and opium-based plant medicines to treat your colds, Shit. insomnia, Guys, menstrual throw, cramps, uh, and whatever else might have ailed you. I'm going to throw it a. Uh, I'm going to throw it a, a, a potentially uh, controversial and wild. Uh, uh, thought here, but what might have happened if that shit stayed over the counter and didn't become this like crazy rampant uh, pharmaceutical, um, you know, uh, money back prescribing it to millions of Americans? We'd be tuning into the radio and hearing Order this. Hydrocodone online with fast delivery. <laughs> like it probably would have been. It, you know, so, it's it, so because the opioid shit is so bad. Yeah, that it's hard to believe yeah. that it would have been worse if it had just stayed you know, over. Well, the you know, I was, this, this but I was going to play into the whole like legalized drugs. But I was going to. Yeah. So I was going to make a joke initially when you started saying that and say, and I was going to say my uncle would have fucking loved that being able to go into the pharmacy and buy shit. But he never, he might have never gotten. To, and and place. to that point is like the, that's the interesting thing is that he may have never gotten to that place, but also the whole argument for safe supply and, um and like safe access is that you can go in and access your mm-hmm. drugs like that in situations like this too. So I don't know, like it, it maybe would have been a positive. Yeah, it's a complicated yeah, question. It, yeah, we got two more. Uh, number two, and we don't really need to hit this one because we kind of covered it uh, extensively already. <laughs> trepanation. Oh, sweet. Yep, that's the sound of uh, Well, it sounds barbaric. There is evidence that many patients survived the procedure when they've been doing it for fucking years. Uh, just be sure not to press too hard when treating skull fractures, warns uh, Galen, a, pay, uh, a doctor who's who knows his shit about this. For people who the don't know their shit, it's will immediately lose all sensation, become motionless, i.e., you kill them. Did. Uh, all right, number one. This one is this one's wild. That's when the cannibalism started. Cannibalism. No, that's Jeffrey, what uh, that was Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, there was a wasn't there a, a good <laughs> good joke about? I, I didn't that watch recently. the series. Um, Did you? Oh. Too much, yeah. Wasn't there a good joke in The Last of Us, a pun about cannibalism? Yeah, oh. there was, and I forget what it was. 
uh, what did the what, why did the cannibal or no what, what happened to the sick cannibal or something like that and it was like he threw up his hands or frustrated what did the frustrated yeah. cannibal do he threw up his hands <laughs> today's <laughs> modern medicine sometimes uses a body to heal a body blood and organ donation for example but there used to be such a thing called corpse medicine seriously you have a headache the ancient Egyptians believed mummy powder would help and for a couple of centuries it was considered um, uh, to Use a ground-up skull to treat a migraine. Muscle ache? Try rubbing some human fat on the spot. Epilepsy? The Romans believed drinking the blood of a gladiator would, was powerful enough to cure the condition. Human organs, fat, bones, blood, and mummified remains were once considered magical, and ancient healers used cannibalistic remedies up till the 18th century. And the general idea behind this practice was that the patient receiving the treatment would actually benefit from the soul and spirit of the donor living or deceased, and its healing energy. I still feel like that, that would wild? be true today. I mean, you know what? If you, f- if Sometimes you, I want to eat Zaya. Like, I just want to <laughs> fucking eat her little fucking hands Sometimes off. I feel like I'd just get and, uh, and, more cute if I just ate her. <laughs> and I feel like if I ate her, I, 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 would, I would... Yeah, that's it. I would be, I would get cuter. I think, I think that's true, you guys. And I would, honestly, I'd split her with you guys if you want. Thanks. I like it. Um, let's, let's eat my daughter. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, uh, we hope you enjoyed that. Uh, that is it for this week. And uh, we want to hear from you. Do you do you share a separate bed with your partner? And if so, how's your sex life? Um, uh, let us know. Um, if you want to support the podcast, you can do that. Send by- us evidence to show us how good it is. <laughs> you can, you can, uh, you can uh, uh, leave a rating or review or leave a rating on the Spotify mobile app. Or you can uh, come over to Discord, which actually... Uh, we talked about some stuff from our Discord. Oh, I, I should also say that the cat with the four years, that was from Jill. So thank you, Jill, for that. Um, pop on over to the Discord. The Discord link is in the show notes, and uh, we'd love to see you over there. If you want to be a guest on the show, do us a, do us a favor and go over and fill your application. Go to sickpointpodcast.com, and uh, there's a button there. Brian's really proud of the button. It does things. It feels so good to click it. It feels good to click it, he says. So go click it. And, and if you uh, agree with that, just send me a message and let me know that you agreed that the button feels good Brian to press. Brian yearns for acceptance. I do, yeah. And it's validation, really. Uh, and uh, speaking of validation, I'd like to validate the people who helped make this show happen. A uh, huge uh, validation shout out to Jeff Lonis, who is our manager, and to Rich O'Coin, who does the theme music. We love both of you. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.